Good morning and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Julie Dye and I'm here with my co-host, Amy Shepard. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by the 510K Cafe. We offer resources for medical device and med tech marketers through interviews with industry leaders that give you the tips, tricks, and trends that are shaping marketing today. One of the topics we haven't explored yet is social media and how med tech companies are using it to reach physician and patient audiences. Amy and I are thrilled to have on the show today, Henry Pack, who in his day job works for Johnson & Johnson in robotics and digital surgery. But Henry's secret superpower is the growing med tech community he's built on Clubhouse, one of the newest social media platforms. It's great to have Henry join us today. Welcome to the show, Henry. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. You are quite a Renaissance man, and we would love for you to tell us about your personal and your professional history and what you are up to now. Sure. Um, I am coming to you live from my parents' basement in Maryland, where I grew up. I've I've been here for the holidays. Um, I normally live out in San Francisco, and I build robots for surgery shortly. I was a part of the Oris Health team and now part of Johnson & Johnson's Robotics and Digital Solutions Division. Um, And my background is in emerging technology for healthcare. I have an engineering degree from Carnegie Mellon University, and that's where I got my start in all things exoskeletons, prosthetics, VR, AR, AI, and namely now robotics uh, for healthcare applications like rehabilitation and surgery. My passion for this space comes from my own personal experience with surgery. I grew up with a unique um, neuromuscular condition where essentially I would have been blind had I not had multiple surgical interventions um, all before the age of 16. I had many when I was a very early child and some later when I was a little older. But the, the experience from that, plus watching my father uh, and his 15-year tenure at companies like J&J selling medical devices and pharmaceuticals got me excited about the space. And as a you know, natural networker, someone that loves people, I pivoted my engineering background into more of a product marketing clinical function, which is where I'm really excited about the future of this space and building out my career. That's you have such a unique background and, you know, you're really one of the first sort of engineers and robotic experts that we have had on the podcast. And so, you know, I really love that background that you have. So one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you is I've recently become acquainted with the Clubhouse platform, which is a social media platform. And you're doing some really cool stuff on that um, to help med tech um, sort of connect and, you know, and meet each other. And so I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about what is Clubhouse. And then we're going to talk a little more specifically about the great work that you're doing um, with the med tech community on that platform. Sure. Yeah. And we're super excited to have you be a part of the uh, the med tech community there. I was I was thrilled. I know we've connected through um, uh, Momentum Events and Reimagine MedTech Marketing. So it was great to see you get on that platform. Clubhouse, uh, you know, in, in one line is a drop in social audio platform. So think of it like podcasting meets Twitter. Essentially, you can chat with people, um, have dialogue and conversations. They are in nature ephemeral, meaning you have the conversation. And when you leave, the conversation is gone, assuming it wasn't recorded with consent. Uh, But the idea as a consumer is you can log into the platform and see a variety of different rooms that you can join. And those rooms can be scheduled like events on a calendar or created ad hoc. And you can jump in and listen, or you can raise your hand and then join the stage and and contribute to the dialogue. So it gives people the ability to, to connect via voice in a way where we've been connecting via text for so long on platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter um, and really meet new people at scale. 
it's very exciting. I mean, we'll be in rooms of, you know, 100, 200, 500, 1,000 people that you've never met. And the ability to engage with them, uh, you know, have conversations, ask questions and bounce around new ideas is amazing. So I love it. Uh, quick caveat, it is iOS only um, in private beta, but they have grown rapidly over the past few months. I think they went from 2 million to 6 million just from January to February alone. It's now the most popular app in Turkey, Germany, Finland. It's facing some regulation issues in China. It's just a really exciting platform right now and the start of a growing space in social audio um, as other companies like Twitter and Facebook start paying attention and building their own competing products. You know, I have a client that works in the neuro sort of neurotech space, and I was explaining to them about Clubhouse the other day. And, you know, I know that the MedTech Club runs um, a specific sort of room on Friday afternoons that talks yep. about those topics. And so I was trying to explain to them, like, this is really cool. You know, there's <laughs> there's patient advocates, there's, you know, industry side, there's healthcare professionals, like, we should really get on this. And so I was kind of met with some skepticism, like, isn't this just another thing, like another TikTok or another new thing? And so I just wondered what you would say to that. And, you know, are there any downsides to this platform? Well, okay, so so the, I'll start with the downsides and then I'll revisit kind of the first part. The downsides of the platform, first of all, is that you can look at it as a downside or a positive, but one downside in my opinion is that it still is exclusive, right? So the exclusivity makes it challenging, especially for thought leaders that just happen to be Android users. That's a challenge. There have been some thought leaders that I've wanted to bring onto the platform and they don't have iPhones, so they're excluded. The exclusivity has created an interesting culture around the app, especially in the early days, but I would say it's more negative than positive that it's iOS only right now. One of the other negatives is that it's a really new app, right? So just as apps, when they're early, go through challenges and iteration, Clubhouse is going through its own battles. I mean, Elon Musk came onto the platform for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and it shut down the entire thing. I mean, it crashed the servers because there was so much volume trying to get into the room that Elon Musk was speaking in. And that's not, I mean, that's not the fault of the company. They're, they're raising tons of money. They're scaling as fast as they can. But, you know, it is still some early, it's early days of the app. And with that also means you don't have the same features that you have on other apps. So for marketers who are used to the business analytics tools that a company or like a platform like LinkedIn provides, where you can see, you know, engagement and metrics and all this good stuff, you can't get any of that with Clubhouse right now. So for me, if I want to look at engagement, I'm tracking average people in a room by hand. I'm, you know, annotating what my peak number of users were, but there's nothing around like retention rate and stickiness of your room. So there's, there's a lot of weaknesses just right now in the, in the fact that it's an early app. What I will say is another weakness of the app as compared to a TikTok or an Instagram is that it is ephemeral. So that's really great for good dialogue. But what it means is that you can't grow unless you're on the app. As in, if you post an Instagram picture or a video or a reel or something, that piece of content can be gaining momentum, you know, while you're asleep. But with Clubhouse, it's really hard unless you're a super influencer or have a really popular community for you to be gaining followers or any sort of traction or, or momentum if you're not physically on the app speaking. So it is a really time consuming platform for those that want to become influencers on it, which again can be looked at as a negative for marketers, but is also kind of a positive in that it's not being, you know, just growth hacked by your, by the people who are big on other platforms as readily as, you know, some platforms that like, like TikTok or you know, Instagram Reels was colonized quickly by people with big followings or uh, vice versa for a platform like LinkedIn. So I'd say that's one of the more interesting parts of the app too. And you bring up like the neurotech room. 
that we do on, on Fridays. And we have an amazing cohort of folks that do a session with us, Dr. Lars Wojteski, uh, Louisa Nicole, entrepreneurs like Anna Makes, who's, uh, you know, consumer hardware for, for brain stimulation, just some amazing people that do this room with us. And it grows every week by bringing in new people. Uh, new physicians, new entrepreneurs, new investors in the space, like Rich McArae, who's been a huge part of it. Tanya Franks, who's a big patient advocate, like you mentioned, just some great people that I wanted to shout out as a part of that series. And I would say, you know, it, it's not it's not smoke and mirrors to to do this. I mean, you get on the app, you join the dialogue and you make real connections. We've had rooms where people are, you know, making connections with each other for venture capitalists, where people are finding co-founders, people are workshopping their ideas. Uh, people are talking about being beta testers for one another's platform, you know, and, and just and also building social connections that lead to things down the road. I'm a big believer in my community that I, as one of the you know community builders, get to can make like, get to facilitate those connections. And so I look at people, you know, some people say I want to learn more about CRISPR, and I said okay. So I went out and grabbed the CEO of Mammoth Biosciences and Dr. Helen O'Neill, who's a, a, a you know, professor and lecturer at UCL. And brought them together for an event that's going to happen this Sunday. And I can do that as the community builder on Clubhouse. I could never do that on TikTok. I could never do that on Instagram. So the, the access, the ability to, to bring people together from different areas and corners of the space that you're interested in is unique to Clubhouse right now. Yeah, Henry, that's really interesting. So I'm also a consultant in the med tech field, um, as well as a graduate student um, in communications at Johns Hopkins. And one of um, in one of my courses, I'm taking a content strategy and social media course. And one of the, the things that we talk about is social media saturation. You know, there's so much right now. And you mentioned it. There's Clubhouse. There's TikTok. There's Twitter. It, you know, obviously Facebook, LinkedIn. It goes on and on. And it's growing almost every day. At some point, there's got to be social media saturation. And, you know, how do we, how do users pick channels that work best for them? That's one of the things we talk about. And is it, you know, is there a bit of a gimmick involved with Clubhouse and that, oh, you need to be invited? It's, it's invitation only. So once that sort of that excitement is over, where does Clubhouse go? And how do you think the staying power, what strategies they can, can they utilize or incorporate to ensure their staying power over time? So, there's a few things you mentioned. Also, shout out to Hopkins right in my backyard. But a few things you mentioned there. One is, I think, about Clubhouse in the larger landscape of social media. And then two is these apps fitting into the different types and forms of social media. So I would say that something that makes, yes, there's, I agree with you, social media saturation. But when it comes to, I think you see that a lot with LinkedIn now, right? LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter are kind of blending together in terms of that text, insight, thought sharing, a picture, uh, you know, a quick like pat on the back for yourself type post. Clubhouse is very different. It doesn't feel the same, I guess. When I'm on, when I'm scrolling Instagram, I get the same feeling as when I'm scrolling Facebook or scrolling TikTok, maybe for different purposes, but I don't get that same feeling with Clubhouse. And I think you're, I'm hearing that from a lot of community members that they feel good when they leave Clubhouse. They're having good discussion, insightful, thought-provoking discussion. They're listening to things that feel more like listening to a podcast or, you know, engaging in a, in a conference rather than looking at images or looking at text. And I'm going to steal a little bit of learning from uh, Dr. Terry Fisher, who I had on recently, who's a voice expert. We were talking about voice in healthcare, and he kind of went into this spiel around how voice is 
the next frontier of interaction, right? First, you know, we had, we had a mouse that we would use to click things on a screen, then we would touch things on a screen, and now we use our voice to communicate. And the power of voice, I think, is really underestimated, especially, you know, when you think about the pandemic, all of us communicating, having our video on and all this stuff. I personally, I get so much out of hearing somebody talk, right? I mean, right now you can hear me talk and know if I'm happy or sad just by the connotation and the tone of my voice. And so I think you get a lot out of voice that you don't get out of text. And so the, the social media burnout effect, I don't think really has hit Clubhouse the way that it's hit some of these other platforms, but it is a real thing. And to try to transition to your second point around you know, what will Clubhouse be long-term? You know, it's no secret. Twitter is cloning Clubhouse with, with uh, Twitter spaces and Facebook is working on something as well. That's very new and uh, speculative, but there was an article about it that I'm citing. So I would say that, you know, the advantage Twitter has here is that it's, you know, if you already have 100,000 followers on Twitter, there's no incentive for you to leave Twitter and go build your following on a new platform if you can just leverage your Twitter following already. So I anticipate that like the Gary V's of the world are going to, stay on the platforms that bring them this feature a little bit later. They'll probably venture out kind of, you know, 80, 20 it with these other platforms, but long run, I would be shocked if social audio doesn't make its way into a lot of these larger platforms. But right now, I mean, the, the, the fact remains Clubhouse is growing and there is just so much open space in, you know, in MedTech and in every discipline to go and make connections and be a part of this early cohort of people that form community, form new relationships, and take advantage of what the platform has to offer. So I think, you know, it's fun to kind of be the futurist and look over the edge and say, oh, you know, like what's going to happen with this and that. But I think we're so, so far from hitting a saturation anywhere close to it in social audio, the amount of content that's being created, the amount of new people that are creating content. That's the other thing around the social audio burnout. You know, I don't like posting on Instagram personally. I'm not a big Instagram person. And I don't really get TikTok the way that some people do. I think it's a great platform. I enjoy it, but I'm not a TikTok creator. I have some friends that are very popular TikTok creators and they love it. But I love Clubhouse. I love talking to people like this. And, and it's just, I, it's a different type of content creation that hasn't been available before. And it takes away the overhead of doing this podcast, right? I mean, the same way that TikTok made video creation, that like it democratized the video creator platform, I think Clubhouse democratizes the audio creator platform, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. And I love how passionate you are about the platform. And I feel the same way. You know, this will be the second year that uh, South by Southwest won't happen in person. And to me, what I've experienced on Clubhouse has really it's sort of filling that void for me mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, where I've been able to meet some people that I would not otherwise meet, right? Just like you do at a conference where you bump up against somebody, you know, in the coffee line at Starbucks, right? And you just kind of get to know them. And so, you know, for me, that's been really the, the, the really great thing about the platform. So I can't wait to see where it goes. And, you know, certainly the fact that the Elon Musks of the world are taking notice and jumping on the platform, I think that's only going to help it grow. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about your your sort of vision for MedTech Club. So first of all, why don't you tell, you know, everybody who's listening what the MedTech Club is on Clubhouse and the types of content that you've been helping curate and what you see as the future for that MedTech Club. Sure. The MedTech Club. So on Clubhouse, just some terminology, you can create what's known as a club that is like a, an umbrella for all the events that go under that club. So our club called MedTech Club, 
uh, links together all the content that myself, uh, Noor, Tawny, who are some of the other managers of the club, and our other admins, um, like our super users, create under the guise of MedTech. So our goal is to, you know, we have it's real people, real discussions about real science and technology. And we've got uh, creators from the global healthcare innovation, med tech, biotech, life science, and biopharma spaces coming together, multiple disciplines represented at the table from entrepreneurs and executives, engineers, different types of operators, VCs and investors, angels. Uh, it's, it's a really, really, and academics and of course, physicians and, and clinicians. It's a really exciting group. And long run, our goal is to continue to work with as many diverse creators as possible to elevate more voices. I mean, we've been, we've gone from having, um, you know, primarily American content to now doing meetups for the MedTech community in England and uh, having, having content led by German speakers and um, Japanese and Singapore based leaders doing content. So it's really cool to be able to have that global reach. That's something that we're really excited about in the future and to continue growing as the platform scales. Uh, the most exciting thing is seeing us grow commensurate with the growth of this community on Clubhouse. So we are, we are approaching 25,000 members. We'll likely hit that this week. Sorry, 25,000 members and followers together. Um, we'll likely hit that this week. And that makes us the, you know, largest, most diverse club of our kind, which is really exciting. And, you know, past the size and scale, what, you know, it's fun to get lost in the numbers again. For me, like the real metric is, is the quality of the discussions. I, I love just kind of moderating, moving the mic around and listening in on, on all these great chats that are happening. I've been super fortunate to have amazing guest speakers and, and fireside sessions that I've gotten to do with people like John Nosta, um, Josh Defonzo, just some, uh, David, David West, we just did is the CEO of ProSha. Um, just some amazing people. I'm blanking on so many. I don't want to, I don't want to exclude by, you know, trying to name everybody, but just unbelievable sessions. Um, myself, I get to host a couple of sessions outside of, you know, those interviews and fireside chats. I do my own weekly segment where I bring in a thought leader talking about some current news. Um, so I just had Ruby, the ex VP of commercial marketing at 23 and me, um, and a few of her colleagues from 23 and me to talk about their announcement, um, and you know, the future of D2C healthcare. And then I do another weekly session, um, led by Tawny. Who, uh, who is a, a CAR-T cell manufacturing leader um, at a startup in, in California. And we do kind of like a weekly roundtable. We all bring a, a, piece of interesting, a piece of interesting research or a nice topic to discuss and just kind of bounce around and do that. But I, you know, I pass that again, really working sessions, panel sessions, fireside chats uh, for this community is what we do. Henry, I agree with Julie. I love your passion. I love your interest. And it's very, it's very inspiring. I think, I think our listeners will really enjoy listening to this podcast. And along those lines, what advice do you have for med tech marketers to get involved with Clubhouse? Yeah. So <laughs> I say first get on Clubhouse, right? That's, I get a lot, I've gotten a lot of DMs recently from people that are asking, you know, oh, when I, you're kind of preparing to get on Clubhouse and thinking about what their strategy should be when they get on there and, what club they should create and all this stuff. And I'd say again, like all of that is secondary. You grow on Clubhouse by being on Clubhouse and participating. Whether it's your cl club, your event, someone else's club, someone else's event, an ad hoc room, a scheduled room. I'd say like when you get on there, don't, don't overthink it. Get on and start engaging in discussions. What you should begin looking for, in my opinion, as a med tech marketer is where your, where your tribe is. If you're a marketer, for example, that sells medical devices to a certain type of physician, 
look to see where those physicians are. For example, the MedTech Club, we have weekly cardiology tech and heart tech rooms. And if you sell tech or you want to network with physicians in that space, that's where you want to be. So look for the places where your key opinion leaders, your potential customers, your potential partners and collaborators are, identify those, and then go in there and do what you know how to do, which is lead them, you know, to lead them to you as a thought leader with great content. There's no secret to it, right? There's no, there's no hack or cheat code. And especially with social audio, you know, there's no paid ads. There's no, there's no tactics like that that you can use. It's all your voice. It's all your thoughts and your contributions that are going to make people respect you as a thought leader in this, in this industry. And I really love that because it strips away, you know, like when you get up there with the mic, it doesn't matter if you're a marketer, a physician, uh, a VC, whoever you are, you're just talking. So it's all based on the quality of what comes out of your mouth in that moment. And that's how you build those relationships. So educate, get on there, create content for the target audience you're looking to network with and do it in a way that is organic, adds value to that community and shows that you are somebody that can be trusted and somebody that they should want to meet. Before I got my golden ticket for Clubhouse, I had I was talking to some people who were already on it and I said, Well, what do you you know, what do you think of it? And they said, Well, I'm not really finding much value. And so I didn't really have much expectation. And then I was really shocked to see how many med tech people are already on there and you know what was happening in that in that world. And so you know, my question regarding that is, why do you think that med tech and, you know, I guess more broadly healthcare has been s- somewhat behind other industries in getting on social media? And what do you think we need to do to change that? Well, I think, well, first of all, like what you what you said a moment ago, I too was surprised by the med tech strength when I got on there. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly early, but not as early as some. And what really made it click for me was when Andreessen Horowitz biotech investors hosted um, an event and Julie Yu, the investor, was talking about the new tech stack for virtual first care. And just hearing the quality of the discussion, I got to raise my hand and ask a question with Mark Andreessen on stage. I was like, oh, I'm hooked. This is this is amazing. So I think everyone kind of has that aha moment, Julie, when they get surprised with the app. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize this community was so powerful here. So that is that is one, I think, our discovery moment. It's our few and far between. And there's not that many of us looking all the time. So that's one reason I'd say, you know, we need to look harder. We need to look more at emerging opportunities, you know, in med tech and in healthcare more broadly, it's, it's not as easy to do sexy marketing, right? I have friends that work at the, the consumer technology and consumer marketing companies of the world where they can engage TikTok influencers and do comedic marketing. And they can do in, you know, different types of marketing. That's just not really available to this type of company for good reason. You know, we're not, we're not selling a video game. So it's a little bit different. And I, I completely understand why companies, and of course, you know, like in general, the more legacy companies are, have been resistant to some of the new age social media tactics. But I think there's so much opportunity and it starts with the people that are in the driver's seat. I have nothing but respect for your blue chip med device marketing functions and the people that are leading in that camp. But look at the apps. I could name five social audio apps that most people above the age of 30 have never even heard of. You know what I mean? If you look at the people in the driver's seat, there's not enough of the new generation represented or at least chirping in their ear about where to look. So I think we do need to kind of have a little bit of that shift where younger people are brought into the fold because the there was a conversation on the, I'll wrap it up with this. There was a conversation on the patients of tomorrow in a, in a room that I was on on Clubhouse. 
and they were talking about the doctor-patient relationship always needing to be in person first, right? You'll never have doctor-patient relationship done virtually in 20 years because of X, Y, Z thing. And I kind of hopped in and I was like, are you forgetting who, I, I completely appreciate the importance of that from the physician perspective for them, but I'm 23. Do you, do you know who the patient of the future is? They're the kids now who have made their friends all online in video game chats on, you know, on discord, things like that. So I 100% believe that virtual first relationships are going to permeate into healthcare. And I think that's kind of indicative of where we have some of the like older thinking that's extremely important, but it needs to take into account what trends are going on with younger people and how we can leverage those to, to capitalize on the opportunity in med tech. And, and I think the physician community's attention is already on social media. You're seeing more and more physicians building brands and using TikTok and, and Twitter. And that's amazing. But we need to catch up from a marketing perspective and say, how can we take advantage of these new platforms and, and what's going on outside of MedTech and bring those learnings into MedTech? And who do we need to engage that's maybe got a different background or doesn't come up the same track that we came up in order to know how to do that properly? I think that's really really sound advice, you know, as, as I am, you know, a Gen Xer, you know, I know we're kind of in between the boomers and the millennials and, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I think it is important to have a diversity of thought, whether it's from other ages, from other ethnicities, from other geographies, you know, I think we can do better work as marketers if we, if we, you know, take into account those different viewpoints. Yeah. And this is not saying go find a VP of marketing that's 19 years old. This is, <laughs> saying, this is saying, you know, have an eye as a strategic marketing leader to what is happening outside of your comfort zone and embrace those tools and tactics and listen to the other side and think about how you can leverage your expertise and understanding of your users and what they're doing to, to take advantage of these tools in a way that exponentially improves your reach and your business, as opposed to just writing it off and going back to paid Facebook ads. Absolutely. Well, you've made it really easy um, for people to find the MedTech Club <laughs> on Clubhouse, um, but I want you to put a quick plug in on how people find you, how they find the MedTech Club, whether it's on Club, Clubhouse or off, you know, off that platform, um, just so that people can get involved. Yeah, I'm I'm easily reachable on LinkedIn, Henry Peck, H-E-N-R-Y-P-E-C-K. Not terribly hard to get. And um, on Twitter, I'm super accessible as well. My DMs are open. And for the MedTech Club, uh, you can find us on Twitter at MedTech Club, one word. And the link in our bio shows you our upcoming event calendar and our scheduling tool so that folks can propose and host their own events with us, which is really great. But if you're interested in, in Clubhouse, if you're getting on the Clubhouse and are looking for a place to start with this community, consider visiting us and following us and joining us because we are always looking for more voices to join the discussion. Julie, I know we have an event coming up together around MedTech marketing and, you know, in the, in the post-COVID world, and we're bringing in some amazing folks from, you know, the, the, the tech company side that lead it from the, from the product management side at larger med tech companies. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we're doing events like that all the time. Um, obviously, I'm not <laughs> running every event that's happening throughout the day and night, but it's great to be working with the team that we are. So you can find us there. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn, MedTech Club, uh, Instagram at MedTech Club. So we got all our handles. Well, Henry, thank you so much. You have been a breath of fresh air and <laughs> And it's just truly been a pleasure, such a fun, fresh perspective. I think Julie and I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. And 
We want to let you go, but one more quick question we always ask all of our guests and would love to hear what, what your morning routine is, what your morning routine is, but what do you do for your morning fix? Yeah, I, um, I think it's kind of funny. I haven't thought about this in a while, but it, it is really interesting. This may be, you know, dating, but I, if you guys remember having like, I, I this is not going to feel that old to anyone over 23, but you remember having like an iPod that you would put into an iHome, like a dock and it would play music. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. So that used to be how I would wake up, but my, my iHome had an alarm feature that played a song. So starting in middle school, when I had to wake up for the first time to catch a bus, it started playing a song, Psycho Puddle by Puddle of Mud. And so I listened to that song every morning for like two years until I finally changed it one day to uh, She Talks to Angels by Black, Crow by Black Crows. Uh, I was like, kind of like, like picked up classic rock from my father and I love that song. But basically I go through these like one to three year stints of listening to the same song every morning. It's kind of crazy. I still do it even as I've switched to a, you know, a normal alarm on my iPhone, but it was like Savior by Rise Against and then Everybody Talks by Neon Trees. And then it was, it's been um, Gloria by Laura Branigan. Is that familiar? <laughs> For, yeah, since there was the, uh, the St. Louis, well, I'm a big hockey fan and the St. Louis Blues, there was a, a, this crazy story how they were like the worst team in the league. And then they went to a bar one night in Philly. They had, they had won their first game in a while. They played this song at karaoke and they all started singing it. And they played this song every day in the locker room. And then they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. And once I heard of that song for the first time, that's been my morning song since since that run. So I think since like the spring of 2019, I've been listening to Gloria every morning when I wake up. <laughs> Listen to me. The theme song <laughs> of this podcast episode is going to be Gloria by Laura. Oh Brandon. my gosh. <laughs> that's amazing. I don't want to steal anything from the uh, from the St. Louis Blues team, but yeah, that's my that's my crazy little morning routine. That and a, and a diet coke. Not a huge coffee drinker, but I, I if anyone who works with me at the uh, at the office knows I'm I'm a diet coke in the morning kind of person. Well, right on. Well, Henry, you clearly have a very bright future. We were <laughs> Thank you. so excited to speak with you today. Thank you for all the information that you shared on Clubhouse and all of your experience thus far. We'll be watching you. Let's. Let's stay in touch. And thank you again. I'm sure our, like I said, I'm sure our listeners will truly enjoy this episode. And uh, hopefully you can come back and we can meet up, uh, maybe uh, check in later on this year. Thanks. Absolutely. And, and do me one better. Don't just stay in touch. Join us on Clubhouse. Come, come be a part of the discussion. Oh, I would love to. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.